I've delivered bad news, but a nervous stick of mine is that I smile when I get nervous. So I'm delivering this like really negative message to someone who reports to me or like constructive criticism of something. And I'm like smiling as I'm telling them this. Oh. Yeah. January marks the season of company kickoff meetings. It's the time of year when CXOs energize their teams with insights into the company's roadmap for the next 12 months and share updates on products, sales, and marketing strategies. But will 2023 be different? Some companies are seeing downturns in renewals and new sales. In this podcast with Andres Peters, Chief Learning Officer at Maestro, a sales training company, we'll go into what CEOs and other executives need to do for the 2023 kickoffs. How will the current economic climate change your messaging? How should you prepare to make sure everyone is aligned? And how do you convey difficult news while keeping your teams motivated? We'll answer these questions and more. Hi, welcome to the morebusiness.com podcast. My name is Raj Kara. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Andres Peters. Andres is the Chief Learning Officer at Meister Group, which creates lots of sales material. And we have a really interesting topic because what we want to talk about is sales meetings and that's coming up for the beginning of the year right around january where a lot of companies will have their sales kickoffs welcome andres how are you uh, i'm doing well thanks for having me raj really appreciate it yeah yeah i'm excited because andres and i have worked a little bit together in the past uh when he was creating training material for maestro group uh, they have a lot of online uh material where people can just self-paced classes they actually have a lot of stuff available for free which is very nice to give back to the community and so um so Andres, sales kickoff meetings, that's, that's a big topic. It's not just like sales kickoffs, it's company-wide kickoffs. And a lot of times companies that put these together have an agenda that they want to go forward with uh, for the CEO to talk about, for other team leaders to talk about. So let's, let's get into some of that. Um, just a real quick background on your history, uh, just so our audience knows why, uh, why, <laughs> why we picked you to talk about this topic. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so, you know, my background is uh, prior to working with my store group, I actually spent 14 years working at Deloitte, where I had various roles um, from advising clients to also with internally in learning development, where I was supporting a practice of, of 20,000 professionals. Um, you know, and really at the end of the day, regardless of what the role was, whether it was internal client facing, at the end of the day, what I always say that my own personal mission is, is to help people do their jobs better and to do it more artisan-like. And so I do that via coaching, via training, um, and also advising leaders and, you know, how you can get the best out of your team and how you can make sure that the messages that you deliver are consistent with your company's mission, vision, and values. Um, I do that also by leveraging a lot in, in the latest from industrial organizational psychology as well as organizational behavior overall. Uh, in fact, you know, that kind of led me to my current passion. I don't know if it's a project or current passionate journey in getting my master's in uh, industrial organizational psychology. And you're getting that from Harvard, not a small school to get it from. So pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andres knows what he's talking about. He's been doing this for a long time. Andres, as we, as we look at uh, sales kickoff meetings, you know, heading into 2023, there's there's like talks that we're in a recession, that we're going to be in a recession. Other companies are saying, no, everything's fine. We're just tearing it up. How is the current economic climate, uh, climate uh, changing the message that CEOs need to convey in their sales kickoff meetings this year? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that was when I started thinking about this question in particular, what I was trying to figure out is like, what is the soundbite that a CEO can take away from this conversation um, when it comes to their just kickoff meeting in general? And really, for me, 
it's really balancing perception with reality and transparency, right? You know, the idea that we are going into a recession or that we're going towards an economic downturn, many different places or many different uh, sources of information are saying very different things. Some are saying yes, some are saying no, some are saying we're in one now. So understanding what your workers are seeing and hearing from the marketplace, from the industry that they're in, it's important to acknowledge that perception, but really balance it with both the reality of your business and the transparency that you're going to allow people to ask questions, to understand more, because they may, you may know something that they don't know, whether it's good or bad. And un until they're able to find the information that they need, there's always going to be the thought in the back of their head saying, I, you know, my job's at risk or I'm at risk or should I start looking? The other thing, too, that I've also started to hear a lot of um, messages kind of coming from CEOs or leaders is this, is this idea of we need to start asking people to do more with less, right? Like we need to have people either we're not going to hire that role that gets, you know, um, vacated or if we have to let people go, we're not going to backfill them. And you know, coming out of the or coming out of the pandemic, or just even through the pandemic, people are more overworked than ever, and so now you're telling them a message that they've got to figure out ways to continue to meet goals or to extend goals using less resources, right? So now you're just adding more stress upon stress to people. So yeah. really being transparent in how you're conveying what the goals are and how you're reprioritizing at the top your strategy, because some goals are obviously going to be more important than others. And then also thinking creatively in how you can source and deploy resources, whether that is, you know, if you're not going to hire someone, do you have enough you know, funds on hand to be able to hire someone for like a gig? right? Contingent workforce and being able to expand and contract based on the needs at that particular point of time. So I think those two kind of key messages or those two types of um, thoughts need to really go into CEOs' minds or leaders' minds as they start thinking about what their message is going to be for 2023. You know, one of the things that I, I know people are concerned about is even though their company is doing well, they might be worried about their job because, you know, is it really going as well as we think it yeah. is? You know, that like they don't know. So that transparency component is, I think, really uh, key uh, in the leaders just sharing that, look, there's other people out there that may be struggling. We're actually in a better spot than they are. We're doing well. Now, on the flip side of it, there's going to be companies that who have reps who are struggling to close deals right now. They're struggling to get renewals. I've seen that a lot on LinkedIn. And so uh, how would a leader who is facing uh, a flat line or maybe even a decline, you know, send a clear message for their sales kickoff that, hey, things are actually going to be fine in 2023. Here's what we're doing. What do you think uh, someone should say? Yeah. And, and I think that's really, again, going back to like what that message for 2023 is going to be, right? If you're struggling in renewals, if you're struggling in, you know, expansion, then how are you investing your resources in helping kind of bring in those new logos, right? Um, or improve, you know, your your uh, inbound, you know, uh, avenues, right? For folks, uh, improve some of your marketing um, efforts so that you can get more inbound um, or even, you know, taking a look at the data that your CRM is providing and seeing like where are the friction points um, in either our current with our current customers to get them to renew um, or in how our uh, reps, our sales reps are speaking with customers to even get the deal in the first place, right? Like, are they, is the tactic to, you know, just win the logo or is the tactic to create a long-term relationship, right? Is that the, is that the strategy? So I think, you know, even 
depending on what what the strategy is for 2023 and what you want to focus on is making sure that your data is supporting you know the ability for your team to actually execute against that strategy as well and mm-hmm. you know not just thinking just because this is what the industries do or what's happening in the industry or what's happening in the market doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to be a, a trend that impacts your organization if you're able to look at the data and the data doesn't support that, right? Like, do you have to pivot is the question. Yeah. One of the, the things that I think is really important to share inside some of these meetings is what's happening with our product. Where's it going? Mm-hmm. You know, what's yeah. the roadmap looking like? And sometimes a hesitancy, I think, amongst uh, the teams, product teams, uh, to share too much about the product roadmap with the sales team because they know that things can change. And oftentimes when people get excited about the feature that they've been requesting for the last six months, now it's finally on the radar, they're ready to start talking about it to yeah. their customers because you know they're, they're like, oh, I know people are ready to buy that. When's it going to be ready? And I've seen, oh, unfortunately, too many situations where a product manager feels pressed to give a timeline and they say, okay, I think it'll be ready by the next quarter. That's the message that starts somehow getting communicated to every customer. They miss the deadline. Customers are, hey, you said it was going to be this quarter. What happened? And so that's another thing that they really need to tune into. Um, what are some of the other things that teams need to just make sure they manage in terms of messaging during that sales kickoff? Yeah, um, I, I think what the the biggest thing is really understanding, you know, what is going to be the after effect of that SKO or that kickoff? Really, like, what is it that you want people to either say, do, or feel after they walk away from that move uh, from that room? after they walk away from that meeting. Um, Because if you don't understand kind of what the next steps are in terms of getting people, not only getting people aligned, but then getting them to actually start executing, then that SKO really didn't, isn't going to provide you the ROI that you think it's going to be. It's just like another webinar or another just, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in person meeting. So Mm -hmm. if you are looking at, you know, changing your strategy, it's, okay, well, what is the message that's going to be sent right after the SKO? What are the commitments that you're going to need the team to make, you know, immediately afterwards or during the session? And how do you get them to actually commit to that? How are you going to monitor that strategy throughout the year? I think, you know, it's one of those uh, things where it's like, if you will it, it'll happen, like it'll manifest itself. But, but really it's, you know, the idea is you want to make sure that you are, you understand what are those uh, indicators of success for yourself and that that gets communicated to those folks and that those expectations get communicated out to your reps. And that goes with any part of the organization, whether it is, you know, product, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's HR, right? Like if you're, if your company's doing well and you really want to hire a lot of folks, like, do you, are you even capable of managing additional people coming in? Is your onboarding process ready for that? You know, are, do you have the right leadership structure in place? So I think there's, there's important, uh, there's important considerations about what happens immediately after that SKO or that, that kickoff uh, that leaders really need to, to sit down and think about and who's going to be ultimately responsible for executing, you know, against those strategies. So really the kickoff, and I've seen situations where leaders are all ready to do, I've been part of these, like ready mm-hmm. to do the kickoff and everybody is just lock focused. Marketing is getting the slide decks ready. The sales team is getting ready for their presentations. Product team's ready to show some demos. So everybody's getting everything ready beforehand. But I like what you're saying is it's not just the beforehand getting all your ducks in a row. 
It's also, what are you going to do right afterwards? Like, what are the action plan items? And that's something that probably should be discussed at the SKO itself, right? It's mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what we've gotten. Here's what we've presented. Here are the next steps. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so having that yeah. clear. One of the recommendations that I have for, for leaders is like a lot of this information is going to be new for those individual contributors on those teams, right, that are attending these meetings, giving them time to be able to like reflect and see how what they've just heard impacts the job that they're doing or impacts what they're going to be focused on and how they can add that to their own goals is another way to one, not only get commitment, but also motivate people towards something because um, they're going to be hearing a lot of information and unless that reflects um, and that actual being able to create those neural connections between what you just heard and what that means for you um, as an individual, it's essentially, it's not, it's not going to create any sort of internal motivation for that individual to want to reach those goals because they haven't prioritized that against what they've just been, what they've been told to do the previous year, right? Um, or what's priority to them this year that, you know, that they haven't heard yet, right? Like, so I think it's really important to provide that, that time for that reflection and also that commitment writing or the commitments to, you know, their leaders and their own teams to help co-create that as well. One of the challenges I've seen uh, small companies encounter is that the only person or maybe two people that know all of the presentations is the CEO, maybe the COO, because a lot of people operate in silos and okay, mm-hmm. marketing's got their presentation ready, sales got theirs, products got theirs and so on. The CEO knows exactly what's going to go on, but it's oftentimes the first time many other groups, including executive leadership, hears their their, their peers talking about stuff. And so sometimes that can create, um, well, it's a, it's a missed opportunity for being able mm-hmm. to align everything, right? If, if, I, if, if I'm in marketing, I know what products can be talking about. I can actually prepare follow-up things for uh, discussions that my marketing team would have internally, which could foster what you just talked about. What did you hear, right? Mm-hmm. After the presentation, what did you hear so that you get clarity on the questions uh, that are popping around in their head? yet they just weren't sure how to articulate or ask. So getting those ducks in a row, I think are pretty good too, right? So maybe you could like, could you chat about that in a bit? Like what what are the kind of preparation techniques or things that people should do uh, to make sure that everyone is aligned going into the kickoff? Yeah, uh, I think Raj, you, you hit the nail on the head first is like, how is your leadership team or how's, how's the group that's both organizing this? If you're a small company, you may give it to someone to just help kind of create the agenda. But like, who's going to own what the story is at the end of the day after this SKO? Like, what is the narrative, the beginning, middle and end? What story is that telling to the individual? Because if it's just an agenda of like very disparate conversations that are happening, then no one's going to be able to actually put all those puzzle pieces together and really see the forest through the trees when it comes to um, what the vision is for the organization for the year. The other thing that I would say, too, is depending on the messaging that you're conveying, whether if it's a great message, then this is not as important. Well, it really depends, right? Because it could be great for you. But for the people, if they're already stressed out and they're like, you know, over overproducing and like, you know, are ready to go, like they it may not it may not resonate with them. But really understanding who in your organization has both formal and informal influence and power across your teams. So, for example, product, right? Like you may have an engineer who is, um, or a developer that has a lot of deep technical expertise and can 
do anything that you ask them to do. But like anytime you ask them to do it, right, like they like to push back, right? And now you're asking them to add in to create this new vision with new features and all of that. Well, how could they impact your organization if they don't agree with what you are, um, what you are, what your strategy says, or how could they impact others on your team and take this really great message of growth and now turn it into this message of, well, now I'm going to be overworked even more, or like, I don't agree with this approach because the way I've done it before, you know, it's much better. We do it a different way. So really understanding who has influence, you know, across your teams and who has that power, get them aligned before delivering that message broadly. Right. Understand Mm -hmm. what could be what could cause them some concern and see if you can manage that so that, you know, once that message is delivered there, when they pick up that conversation, you still have some control in what that how that conversation looks like right after after they've left the room, because nothing's where most folks, especially if you're on a leadership level, and depending on the size of your company or how flat your organization is, you know, people won't tend to hear from the C-suite very often, except uh, in these town halls or in these SKOs, they mainly work with their middle managers, like either their direct managers or directors or VPs, depending on the size of the organization. And so they trust them more. So depending on what is the message that they're providing, they're going to put more credence to that versus the CEO who's saying, you know, we're great and I'm just a cog in a machine. But, you know, Raj, you and I have worked together for three for three plus years. We meet weekly. I trust your opinion on what the CEO says. And if you're saying, you know, he's painting a much rosary picture than I'm seeing here, then I'm going to believe you over the CEO. You know, and that's actually a really important point, because sometimes we go to these things. Top leadership does the rah-rah. Everybody's excited. They're off, you know, meeting with their colleagues, having beers. It's a great feel-good fest. Uh, But then all the back-channel stuff happens afterwards. And you may have some of these leaders saying, yeah, I don't know why they said that at the sales kickoff. That's not really the way things are. And suddenly, all this work that you spent time and money and effort trying to get everybody aligned, out the window. Mm Mm-hmm out the window. So it's really important to make sure that you've got those ducks in a row, that you've got everybody along uh, the same lines on that same team, uh, rowing in the same direction, I think is really key. Um, What are some of the signs that you've seen in companies that you've worked with that things aren't aligned? What are the things that an executive leader can look for? Do you have examples of of ways they can spot this? Because I've been a CEO, I tell you, sometimes you're the last one to hear things. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Um, yeah. So... I think one one way that I I would recommend like leadership or CEOs kind of thinking about is trying to see what is the level of trust that one your leadership team has with you um and then seeing what level of trust their teams have with them because if there's a level of trust it's going to be easier to spot this spot any sort of back channel conversation any sort of like negative um responses to what you've said or disbelief from what you've said um if you don't have that level of trust, then you're not going to be able to spot it, right? Like the only way that you'd be able to spot it is if you start seeing a large number of people leaving the organization, if you start seeing numbers really dip um, without any sort of, you know, real reasons why they're dipping. Like the the data isn't telling the story that your leaders are telling you is happening. Um, that would be the only way that you would be able to, to really spot it, which would be after the fact. 
But the only way in which you can be proactive to understanding whether or not there is some concerns within the organization would be to first assess what that level of trust is within um, your leadership team and within their team. So I would first kind of ask them, I would ask them to, you know, keep a lookout for one, if how people how how much time people are spending doing you know job or doing work kind of outside of their core work meaning are they you know if they are supposed to be on the phones are they on the phones or are they you know just randomly online but not really producing any work um, are they working on other projects um, that aren't core to their work that you've asked them to work on and they're spending more time doing that because um, that could show a sign that they're not engaged with what their core day-to-day is. And then lastly, um, in their one-on-one, and this actually is probably the best uh, piece of advice, in their one-on-ones, how are, how are their one-on-ones structured with their individual teams? If it's just talking about the, the metrics in the day-to-day, then that is a sign that you're, you're not creating an engaged organization. You're just creating uh, a very uh, process and numbers-driven organization and kind of removing the human element from it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's merit to having process for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, without having a human element... Uh... It's uh, hard to retain people, hard to acquire people uh, for your your roles uh, that you have unfilled. Uh, yeah, it makes it just growing a company a lot harder. Hey, there are going to be some CEOs out here listening that have to convey bad news, that the market's tough, we're not growing as fast. How do you convey that bad news without suddenly creating this ripple effect where people are like, oh, see ya, I'm out of here. <laughs> that makes a spiral happen. What kind of things can people say? How do you convey hard news? Yeah. So um, one is understanding the severity of that hard news, right? And making sure that the way in which you deliver it is commensurate with that level. If it's a slight dip in revenue, but it may not have impact on the actual headcount, then that's a very different one than, you know, we are kind of running towards the end of our runway in terms of our cash flow, and we're going to have to make some tough decisions. So really understanding, you know, what is what is the actual message that you need to convey? And also really understanding, you know, what level of preparation you have to do personally to deliver that. Um, I've worked with leaders before where, you know, right before they're about to kind of speak to the entire organization, they have, you know, meetings directly before and a meeting directly afterwards. And so the only time that they're actually able to talk about and deliver this bad news is in that block of time. Well, I've supported leaders who were planning to deliver an update on financials and they weren't great. And they were running behind because they had the other meeting was running over and that ended up causing issues with the agenda. So then people then dropped bef- because they were waiting and they were like, okay, well, this isn't that important. Um, the, the message was delivered in a very rushed manner and then questions couldn't be answered. And so then that's where a lot of that back channel can happen because now you're hearing it secondhand from someone else. Uh, the other thing too is CEOs are human, right? If you're stressed out about it, what are some ways that you can de-stress yourself before having to deliver this message so that you're not delivering a stressed message from a posture of being stressed, right? Because at the when you're delivering a, a difficult message, you still want to convey confidence that you believe in the business and you believe that this is just going to be a temporary moment in time and not necessarily the ongoing future for the organization. 
Um, and you know, if you, if you don't mentally and emotionally prepare yourself to deliver that message, it can fall completely flat. And people may think that, you know, you, you may convey uh, a different message through your body language, um, or just even through your tone, if you're not able to display, you know, that confident leader, right. Um, in that message. Also making sure you practice the message verbally, right? Like you actually articulate it. Um, Cause that can also demonstrate a lot in terms of, of whether you were even confident to, to say those words or even if the words come out the way that you intended them to. Yeah. Oh gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in front of the mirror trying to look at this presentation. I guess now we've got webcams, obviously. So I use that yeah. to see how do I sound? How do I come across? That's actually something that a lot of executives don't do. Uh, you really should just record yourself look at the video camera and just make that presentation and then just go through the pain of listening to yourself. Cause sometimes it is painful. I look back at some of my recordings and Oh my gosh, my very early ones. Oh, I can't even watch without like turning it off and having to go. <laughs> They're hard to watch. I'm not saying I'm great at these now, but boy, I tell you some of the early ones are tough. And it's, uh, it's great. It'll also show you like what your nervous ticks can be, right? Like when you're delivering a message that you're uncomfortable with sharing, yeah. Um, me personally, like I've done, I've delivered bad news, but a nervous stick of mine is that I smile when I get nervous. So I'm delivering this like really negative message to someone who reports to me or like constructive criticism of something. And I'm like smiling as I'm telling them this. Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't know this. And if you didn't watch yourself on video actually, and know to adjust yeah. uh, your yeah, facial exactly. expression, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm, that's really important. What are some of the other uh, struggles or mistakes that you see leaders uh, make when it comes to the, the kickoffs? Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, sometimes not connecting the dots between and we talked a little bit about this, not connecting the dots between the different parts of the organization. Um, you know, as you mentioned, especially in smaller organizations, people will tend to silo. So how are you bringing together that leadership team or those where there are adjacencies across the organization, like, for example, product with sales or sales with marketing to give provide updates? on those strategic goals that have been set across the organization, um, not revisiting the conversation enough, right? You know, they've spent all of this time and energy creating this agenda that talks about our vision for the year. And how are we keeping the, how are we keeping individuals up to date on it uh, in, in a way that tells, helps them see what the story is at a particular point in the year? You know, just to give an update on financials uh, or a Gantt chart is not going to tell that story. So how are you conveying that um, and how are those middle managers or those uh, middle tier leaders conveying, you know, where their teams are? Um, mm -hmm. And then the last what? thing. To, oh, go ahead. Why you wrap up the last thing? Yeah. The last yeah. thing, too, is not allowing enough time for people to ask questions. Right. Especially if you're going to be delivering difficult news, giving people the time to internalize what's just been told to them and then be able to ask the questions that they have or giving them different uh, methods of asking questions. Because some yeah. people may be too afraid to verbalize the question, giving them either a way to do it anonymously or giving them, you know, uh, ability to send it through email, but just different ways for people to ask those questions and get their, you know, concerns uh, acknowledged and addressed and be seen. I think one of the, the goals that every CEO wants to have at the end of their kickoff meetings for the, the company is that one, everybody's aligned, but then two, everybody's pumped. They're motivated. Mm -hmm. 
What yeah. are some techniques that you uh, that you recommend to create that motivation? What what to say? How to say it? What are some ways that uh, leaders? Uh, I mean, I guess part of it's a personality too, right? If they're really energetic, and, and most CEOs I know, not everyone, but most of them have a lot of energy. Tell me uh, what what you've seen. Yeah, um, I think. What I well, so what I've seen done, um, especially in smaller organizations where monetary compensation may not be feasible for folks, and it, and I guess in inside, well, actually, one thing that you can do, especially in your kickoff, are what are some of the good things that happened the previous year and celebrating those um, achievements. But I also think having each leader have their teams kind of identify an individual contributor or a mark a manager on that team who kind of went above and beyond to to live your company's mission to uh, to live your company's values and celebrating that individual right and recognizing that individual because um, that's just one way again to what to not only recognize top performers but also people who really are you know living true to your company's you know why your company exists the purpose of your organization mm-hmm. you're recognizing them yeah yeah and then outside of that sko or that kickoff sending individual shout outs either in in slack sending them personal messages sending them personal emails thanking them for their commitment um and then thinking about any sort of other recognition tactics that you could use um to help you know recognize people that are doing great work and that you want them to continue to do great great work could you give them a half day off right on a friday if it's in the summer and just say like take the rest of the day off you've done a great job um giving them uh, if you're in person or a hybrid organization, can you give them more remote days, right? Like where they can actually work from home and, and have that be a way to recognize folks and keep them motivated uh, as well. Highlighting any sort of messages that, you know, people outside their team sends them. Uh, one of the things that I like to do uh, as uh, just the managers, anytime anyone has great feedback to send for the people that support me, is I actually forward it on to my leader, CC the person um, who got the great feedback and show, hey, this person did this. This is what the result of it. Um, I just wanted to take the time so that you could be aware that this person did this great work. Um, and that's just another way that not the CEO, but at least the leaders can can show like giving that person visibility to their leaders as well. Yeah. Andres, what inspires you? So it's interesting. What inspires me is I think what's also causing a lot of uh, concern in in the I don't know so in the business world today. But I think what inspires me is that really like with specifically with all of the uh, advantages uh, or advancements in AI, um, I still feel like being a human is a strategic advantage for organizations. And so what's really inspiring to me is like how to leverage AI as a like a force multiplier, not as a replacement. For you know the work that I do, the questions, the sticky questions that I'm considering, the next level of what the workforce looks like, right? Um, so that's what really inspires me. Okay, you know it's interesting with this whole uh, Chat GPT making all the news everywhere, people testing it out, um, uh, and then there's other people saying, "Hey, uh, Google can recognize AI-related content." I find that the people who just depend completely on this, I mean, there's a lot of tools out there that use that same algorithm. You know, there's uh, 
but there's there's Jasper, right? Sonic, mm-hmm. uh, Scale, Scale, there's so many of them. And I find that if you're looking for an AI-assisted tool to do all the work for you, you got to stop being lazy. You got to put in the time. You got to do the homework. You got to make some updates. Maybe you can use it to help come up with an outline and maybe a couple of sentences here and there, but you really got to apply your own mind and critical thinking to update content because otherwise it's just generating fluff for you and mm-hmm. fluff for someone else and fl- and then and you're not going to get any kind of like mileage out of it so yeah um so you got to be really careful and to your point adding the human touch you know it's not going to be able to add human stories into this right into their into the output um that's uh anything recent anyway because the algorithm is based on data from like a couple years ago so mm-hmm. uh interesting for that yeah hey so what do you read like what books are you reading now or book are you reading now what are some of your favorites yeah, so my some of my favorite uh, books are actually, I think, really, if from what inspires me, I think these books would make sense to you, right? Like based on what inspires yeah. me. So, uh, three of my favorite books that I always recommend anyone to 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 read are the first is "To Sell Is Human" by Dan Pink. Yes. Very good book. Mm-hmm. Very good book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, "Give and Take" by Adam Grant is another uh-huh. book that I like to read or that I always recommend. And then the last one is a, is really, I think, um, an interesting book because it's, it's about productivity, but I think it's true for anyone who's really looking to be much more artisan-like or, or much more uh, a deeper functional expert in the space that they're in, but it's called Deep Work and it's by Cal Newport. Um, and it's in that book, I, I would recommend for any professional at any level because it helps you reprioritize what's important to you and really focus on, on what is important you know, for your own personal or professional development goals. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Andres, what are some of the courses that uh, Meister Group has available for sales teams, sales leaders? Um, and I know there's several ma- pieces of material that's available for free, like worksheets and, and even even courses. What are some of those and how can people get them? Yeah. So we have... Um... We have courses on, you know, our own proprietary, you know, uh, our own proprietary sales process. Um, it's really just sales professionalism um, called the the Phoenix Sales Method uh, and the Science of Sales. We also have uh, courses on information gathering, so how you can ask better questions or get more information to help you de-risk deals. We also have a great course uh, on how to attend conferences and how to maximize the ROI in those conferences. So not just attend, but almost like this SKO where like what is what's happening before, what's happening during, what's happening afterwards to make sure that you can really capitalize on the networking that you're getting out of out of the conference uh, and make sure that you're connecting with the right people. Uh, and then we also have a course that's on effective emails. Um, one of the one of my favorite anecdotes to say is that the average knowledge worker gets 120 emails a day. So you know if you're in sales, right, and you only send one email and think they didn't respond, well, most likely it's not that they weren't, they didn't, you know, it's not that they didn't want to connect. It's just that it probably fell in their email somewhere in that email um, uh, inbox. So uh, we have a course on on how to break through the noise, and then people can find it. Uh, either through, they can email me directly at andres at co, where I can provide them a link to it. Um, or if they go to courses.meistergroup.co, um, they can request the coupon code if they'd like uh, to try one of our courses for free. Very good. Andres, thank you. Very informative conversation on how to structure your sales kickoff meetings. It's a big topic for a lot of companies as we head into 2023 and try to make this 
be a banner year. Thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate it, Raj. You have a great one. 